This podcast today is brought to you by you, the listener, one part of the overall audience. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. Are you satisfied? Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa. I'm Joe DeRosa. This is the podcast where we talk one topic for one hour, sometimes with one guest, but not today. Sometimes it's just me alone, solo, doing it by myself, and that's what's happening today. And uh, today's topic is fandom, being a fan, celebration of another person's art, applauding their creator and the creation, perhaps sometimes a little too much. Whether it's making an homage-paying YouTube video, writing some fan fiction, dressing up as your favorite character, or simply just chewing somebody's ear off about the scenes that you love, we just like letting it be known that art was made and it was recognized, and most importantly, we're the ones that really got it. Some folks will even spend their hard-earned money to prove this point. Ever see one of those fan-made Star Wars movies? They don't look cheap, and they don't turn any profit either. They just scream to the world, does anyone out there love the Sith as much as I do? You too? Great. You're welcome. And here's something I just learned. Fan fiction existed way before the internet. I mean way, like 1800s way. I read this on Wikipedia this morning. Fans of the literary detective Sherlock Holmes are widely considered to have composed the first modern fandom creating some of the first fan fiction as early as 1887 and holding public demonstrations of mourning after Holmes was killed off in 1893. So, it is amazing to me that the pursuit of pretending over the pursuit of pussy stretches back more than 100 years. I bet it was easier to balance your intense fandom and your dating life during a time when there was probably a law that prohibited a woman from calling a man a fucking geek. Not that it's too hard to balance those two interests nowadays. Currently, extreme celebrity nerdship is in a full-on co-ed multicultural party. Everybody's in on it. So you can get laid while wearing that Magneto helmet. The only dilemma will be figuring out if your love interest is a poser or the real deal. I like to think that I'm the real deal. Uh, I love stuff. I really, really love movies and TV shows and music and all the other things that people make you know i i just i'm a big fan and i really get a kick out of meeting people uh in fact uh last night i went to see uh, a concert i went to see shock g uh who is the main guy from digital underground uh, he was performing at a club here in los angeles and my friend scott moran is friends with shock so scott brought me to hang out with Shock G before the show, which was amazing. And then we uh, got to hang out backstage and, and then see the show and everything. And uh, this, this, is, this is what happened. Uh, we were having a few drinks. I was playing it real cool. And I got a little buzzed. And I thought, why not express how much I love these guys? Why not let it out a little bit? That's okay. You can be outgoing. You can come out of your shell a little bit. You don't got to play it so cool all the time, <laughs> as if I'm suave the rest of the time. Uh, and I was talking to, guitar, to the guitar player, this guy Pee Wee, 
And uh, I started telling him how excited I was to see the show, and he seemed like he appreciated that very much. And uh, I kept talking about it, and he seemed to keep appreciating. And then suddenly he just went, yeah, man, well, we're, you know, we're just ordinary folks. I'm going to go to my guitar and walked away. And I was like, I think I just crossed the line. I think I just annoyed him or freaked him out. And I got so paranoid. Maybe I was a little high. Uh, maybe I smoked a little weed. Um, I got a little paranoid and I was like, dude, you're being freak. You're just freaking yourself out. It's fine. It's fine. And then me and my friend Scott walked to the other side of the room and I go, Dude, I just yeah, I did. I, was I did I geek out too hard? And you know, I thought Scott was gonna go. No, dude, relax. And he went. It went one sentence too far. You took it one sentence too far. And I was like, God damn it! And then we both started laughing really hard. And I was like, That's the last thing I needed to hear right now. You realize that? And he goes, No, I know, but I don't want to lie. Yeah, you 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 kind of geeked out a little too hard. But I'm a fan. What do you want from me? Everything was fine, by the way, with Pee Wee. After the show, he came over to me and made fun of me for drinking whiskey. And it was in a friendly, nice way, not in a get-the-fuck-out-of-my-dressing-room kind of way. Uh, so all is well. It's fun meeting the people whose work you like. Sometimes, sometimes it sucks. Last night was great. Uh, I've had bad experiences with it, though. I remember uh, They Might Be Giants, who's one of my favorite bands. Uh, they played at my college. And uh, now, granted, it wasn't the best show. Somebody spit on John Linnell during the show. He got very angry about that, obviously. Somebody spit on him. That sucks. It's not like they're the fucking, you know, sex pistols. <laughs> they're not really a band you spit at. Um, so he got upset. But then me and five of my friends, it might have only been four of us total, actually. It was a very small group. We stood outside in the snow. And I don't mean like there was snow outside. I mean it was snowing uh, and we stood outside waiting to meet them. And uh, they came outside, and we were all excited to be like, where are the four people that gave a shit? Where are the ones that didn't spit? And uh, they walked out, and they didn't stop. <laughs> they made a joke. As they were walking, John Linnell went, which one of you guys spit on me? Ha, ha, ha. And then kept walking, and I thought, you know... For the frostbite, you could have shaken one of our hands. <laughs> that would have been appreciated. They don't seem like bad guys. They're having a bad night. What are you going to do? Uh, I met Ice-T once. That was awesome. Uh, he came and spoke at my college. Ice-T, when I was a kid, completely changed uh, my perspective on music. Um, he was the first uh gangster rapper i guess i, I actually i've heard ice t say in interviews he didn't like when they called it gangster rap he felt like that was a step back because he always he was like he was a he had graduated to being a player and he didn't so the play he's the first player rap i'd ever listened to and if you don't know what player means i don't have time you know, all right look, you have to look it up you're gonna just have to feel the way i feel when i read most books I just keep reading like I understood all the words they used. Uh, anyway, I met him, and he when he when I got into his music when I was about, I don't know, 11, and it just changed my life. It changed the way I looked at everything. I was just like, there's this whole other world out there that I had no idea. I was learning about what it was like to grow up in the inner city and, and talking about like robberies and you know, pimps and crazy shit. 
but then also somehow teaching me a lesson like you shouldn't do this it's bad I'm just telling you about what I did and I just I just wanted to meet him more than anything in the world I I, I when New Jack City came out I I couldn't have been more excited uh, I bought every album that he put out uh, on the day they were released I, I mean I was super super fan and finally when I was 22 years old he came and spoke at my college it was like my last I was on the fast track in college, <laughs> 22, still there. Uh, but uh, he he came the last semester I was there to speak at the school because he did a public college tour, speaking tour. And uh, I ran all around the building. I was high once again. Why am I always high when I meet these people? But I was high. And I ran all around the building to meet him. And uh, he, I finally found the exit that he was coming out of after the speech. And uh, I ran up to him, and there was a lot of people crowding him. And people were handing him demo tapes and saying, like, hey, man, I'm a rapper, too. And, like, can you help me out? And, like, can I have an autograph? All this stuff. And he turned at one point and looked at me. And I was so excited. I was shaking. And I said, I don't, I don't want I don't, I don't to give you a demo tape. I don't want an autograph or anything like that. I've just been waiting for more than half of my life to tell you that you changed my life and you changed the way I look at things and you're the, one, you're the, you're the person that made me want to play music. You, you made me want to play music. And I play music because of you. And, uh, and he took a beat and nodded his head and like kind of <laughs> digested everything I said. And then he just went, all right, man, that's what's up. Do it. Do it. Get out there and bang some fucking heads. And I was like, oh, all right, Ice, I will, I will, I will. I'll see you later, Ice. And I was a panicky, teary-eyed mess because I had met my idol, and he was awesome. It was the coolest thing he could have said to me. That also, by the way, uh, during his speech, they did a Q&A, and my friend Pat Knowles and I went to see this, and he loved uh, Cool Keith, and so did I. We were really, really into Cool Keith. And during the Q&A, our question was, what do you think of Cool Keith? And I remember a bunch of guys laughed at us because they didn't know who Cool Keith was, and they were making fun of us like, like we had somehow asked a, a stupid question. And Ice-T said, Cool Keith is the illest motherfucker alive. Me and him got an album coming out in a couple of months. Can you? T is there a better response? <laughs> hey, favorite guy. What do you think of my other favorite guy? I love him too. We did an album together. It's coming soon. I believe the album is called For Joe and Pat. Ah, oh, awesome experience. And then my last uh, and, and potentially most notable uh, celebrity meeting experience was when I got to meet George Carlin. He's my comedic idol. Um, and I actually... I never met him in person, but I got to talk to him on the phone, and he was extremely gracious, and he gave me really, really amazing comedy advice, and was still <laughs> George Carlin at, I believe he was 70 at the time, uh, after a 50-odd year career in show business, was still humble enough to say, uh, I'm going to give you my best guess at this advice. I can't tell you it's guaranteed like, you know, because I, I came up at a different time, but my best guess, it's like, dude, it's the right advice. You're George Carlin. It's no way, there's no way it's not right. Um, and he said, uh, he told me that an artist's first responsibility is to the forum. You have to, 
you have to be allowed to perform in the forum first because without the forum you don't have anywhere to perform and once you can fill the forum with people that want to just see you then you can do whatever the fuck you want and that is sound sound advice for a performer i don't follow it as often as i should um because we all get that rebel spirit where we want to go eh, fuck you everybody i'll do what i want you know but it's really really tremendous advice and then at the end of the phone call he said to me as he said to all young comedians uh, apparently uh keep kicking them in the nuts and then i got the letters of that tattooed on my arm and then i got made fun of for the tattoo for two years straight and then I covered the tattoo up. <laughs> and I am going to get it again, but I'm going to get it again uh, in a way that I want it to look. I picked a bad font. Bad font, Ernie. Tattoos all in the font. So it's great to meet these people. Why? Because I'm a fan. And, you know, part of it, as I said in the intro, is you want to show somebody you get it. Hey, man, you created this thing and I get it. You know, they cooked a dish for eight hours, slaved over a stove. They put it down in front of you. You don't want to be the guy that goes, yeah, it's just good. I guess it's, I like the taste. You want to be the guy that's like, is there mint in there? Am I I'm sensing mint, right? And maybe some peach. That's, you want to be that guy. Ugh, mint and peach. How disgusting would that be? I, I, I'm the worst fucking ad liver. I literally, I, I, go, I go blank. I get like a panic when I have to make something up and I go blank. And the best things I could think of were mint and peach slaved over a stove. Who's <laughs> cooking sauces <laughs> and sautéing things that have mint and peach? Oh, fuck. Fuck me. Um, anyway, this is why I'll never be like any of the people I met in any of these stories. The common thread... And all the people in the stories I told was they uh, was wit and being articulate. And I am displaying neither. Um, anyway, you want to be the guy. You want to be the guy that gets it, you know? And I'm, that's part of it. That's only part of it. The other part of it is just saying, thank you. Thank you. Please understand what this has done for me. Please understand that this is the thing that I watched or listened to when I was in my darkest hour and it made me feel like it was okay. Please understand, this is the thing I turned on or, or pushed play on when I felt like I was alone in the world and it made me feel like I had a friend. Please understand that when I was depressed, this is the thing I went to sleep to so I could be calm and drift off and, in a good place and wake up feeling okay. I mean, this is what these people do for us. And it is fucking beautiful. It's beautiful. And I am loyal to it. I am loyal. I am an opening night movie guy. I'm that guy. I'm there at midnight. Star Wars. Saw every one of the original trilogy as a kid in the theater. Uh, saw every special edition on opening day. And saw every, uh, every single um, prequel midnight release. Uh, saw Phantom Menace seven times, saw Attack of the Clones four times, saw, this is the theater, I mean, saw uh, Revenge of the Sith seven times. That's the, that's the way I roll, all right? And for all you fucking assholes 
that didn't hear anything I just said because you were too busy scoffing, go, Star Wars prequels. Fucking stuck. Shut up. Shut up. I'll say it again. Phantom Menace, seven times. Attack of the Clones, four times. Revenge of the Sith, seven times. Why? Because that's how I fucking roll. Because I'm a fan. Because I'm a fan. Because I find the good, not the bad. I look for what I liked, not what I didn't like. You understand me? Star Wars movie sucked. Did it mean I got more lightsaber fights? Yes, it did. Okay, in my book, I had a great time. Sorry for you being too pouty to have enjoyed it. You missed out. There were more lightsaber fights. Those movies made me cry. There were moments where I cried out of excitement. When I was sitting in the theater waiting for Phantom Menace to start, I got teary-eyed. When the 20th Century Fox thing came up, and then a long time ago in a galaxy far away, and then the Star Wars logo and the music, I got teary-eyed. That's how excited I get about this shit. It's, it's, that's the beauty of being a real fan of stuff. There's so much balled into the equation of it, you know? It's not just, oh, that's, that gets me excited. It's a sliver of nostalgia. It's a sliver of, I remember where I was the first time I saw it or I heard it. It's a sliver of just the pure entertainment value of the thing. It's a sliver of how it's making you feel in that moment. It's such a great cocktail. It's such an exciting thing to experience. I feel sorry for people when you say to them, you know, what are you, what are you into? What do you like? Well, I like everything. Okay, well, but what's, the, what's your thing? What's your favorite movie? I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, you know um, lately I've been, you know, I kind of like that movie, uh, you know, where uh, he turns old, but he's young. And it's like, what are you? What? what are you talking about? What's If you had a six-disc DVD changer, if you had to only watch movies that way, and you could only put six movies in it for the rest of your life, what would they be? I don't know. I guess there's like, there's like a, can I count like, like Top Chef? Can that count? No, no, no. Well, that's on DVD. I know it's on DVD. Six movies. You daft fucking asshole i mean what who doesn't know this shit i can't believe there are people out there that don't know i spend time thinking about it i've set aside hours of my life to be like what is your favorite song what is it all right you know it's one of these five but what is it you gotta know that because that question's gonna be coming at you you got to know what your favorite song is, and you got to understand why it's your favorite song. I, I put time aside to do that shit. You want to know what it is? It Was a Very Good Year by Frank Sinatra. That's my favorite song of all time. A lot went into that, Ernie. It starts with loving the song. It starts with then, then second to that is I never get tired of this song. Those are the first two steps. First is I love this song. Then it's like, man, I never get tired of this song. Then you got to think about, well, does it mean anything to me? Yes, it does. Does it choke me up a little bit? Yes, it does. Does it excite me too? Yes, it does. It is banging on all cylinders, that song. You ever heard it? You never heard that song. 
it's a, about a, it's a ballad. It's a man reflecting on his life, and each verse is a part of his life. And it starts with the age. When I was 17, when I was 21, when I was 35. And then the last verse is about how he's in the autumn of his years. Now the days are short. It's the end of the life. He just looks back on his life like it's vintage wine. Fucking beautiful. I'm getting teary talking about it right now. Fucking gorgeous song, man. Favorite song of all time. Favorite movie of all time. You want to know? Hannah and her sisters. Bet that surprised you too. You thought, man, his favorite song was a little girly. <laughs> the movie's definitely, oh no, the movie is too. Hannah and her sisters, Woody Allen, his finest work. His finest work, in my opinion. Finest movie I've ever seen. Never has a movie resonated with me more in my life, ever. All the characters have inner dot monologues throughout the whole movie where they go off and they're dealing with their, their struggle at the moment in the film. You hear their inner monologue about what they're thinking and how they feel. 110% relatable. They're saying things that you're going, I, I felt that. I felt that so many times. I can't believe I just heard that come out of a character's mouth in a movie. Fantastic movie. I know my second favorite movie, too. Glengarry Glenn Ross. Third favorite, Goodfellas. There's your top three. I'm fucking ready. I'm ready. You ask me that DVD changer question, I'm fucking ready. I know what you're thinking, but Joe, you only named three movies. Yeah? Well, guess what, fuckos? I'm intimately familiar enough with hundreds more. I could slot one in there just riffing it, and, I, and it wouldn't be a bad choice. I love bands. Favorite band? Bad Religion. Favorite band of all time. Of all time. Why? Why? That's such an important thing. You got to answer what your favorite thing. My favorite band. But why is it your favorite band? I'll tell you why it's my favorite band. When I was in high school, I heard Bad Religion for the first time. And I went to Catholic school for 12 years. They were the first band that ever made me question religion and the authority figures in my life. I'm not saying I was always respectful and didn't talk back or anything like that. But Bad Religion was the first band that made me go, these are grown men. Uh, they're younger than my parents, but they're not terribly younger than my parents. Probably by 15 years or so, 16 years. That's not crazy. That's older brother territory, you know, in the age game. And here they are looking not like rebels, looking like presentable people, looking like my teachers. Greg Graffin, lead singer, in fact, is a teacher. But these guys look like my teachers. And they're telling me that it's okay to question things. And they're telling me in an intelligent way. Uh, they're not screaming it. And, and this is nothing against any punk band that's more aggressive. But all the punk I'd heard of that to that point was more aggressive punk. You know? The, the stuff that challenged things. It was aggressive. There was, the, there was an element of it where even as a kid, even if you liked it, you, you kind of felt like, ooh, should I be listening to this? Should I not be listening to this? It was like a gangster rap kind of thing. Should I not be listening to this? Is this bad? You know? You know, when you listen to like NWA, you loved it, but you were like, is this bad? Is this, oh, man. You know, you knew it would piss your parents off. If you listen to, uh, you know, uh, uh, like Black Flag, that would piss your parents off. You know? Fucking awesome music. I'm not, I'm not condemning it in any way. I'm just saying 
it had that piss your parents off element to it. Bad religion, they kind of sounded like your parents. <laughs> when they talked, they sounded, and you were like, man, there's a way to approach adults that you don't agree with and say, I don't agree with you without it being, without it ending in detention somehow. I love that, man. I love that. Favorite band of all time. Expanded my vocabulary. Their lyrics expanded my vocabulary, literally. Just gave me a whole new worldview of things that I don't even totally agree with. I don't agree with everything they say. I don't, you know, I'm a very complacent kind of guy. Some would say apathetic. I would just say I'm more of a realist that doesn't give a shit. Uh, maybe that's just a way of justifying being apathetic. I don't know. But my point is, is they're, they're, they're much more involved people. But I loved it, man. I loved it. Fucking amazing band. Favorite band. Favorite movies. Covered those two. Favorite song. Covered that. What other favorites are there? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. But my point is, is I'm your guy. I'm a fan. I'll cry at your movies, even though they take place in space and you're not supposed to cry at them. I cried at Superman Returns. When the, when the, uh, just out of excitement. It's not a beauty cry thing. It's excitement. I get teary when he fucking lands that plane in the field and everybody's cheering and they're playing the Superman music. That just took me back to being eight years old again. Batman begins at the end when he turns over the card. This guy's got a flair for the theatrics. Turns it over, Joker. I just got chills saying that right now. Oh, is there anything better? Is there anything better than a movie moment? Movie moments are up there with beautiful music. A movie moment, it'll send chills down your fucking spine, man. Literally. I get chills when I talk about movie scenes. You know? There's like, there's lines I'll quote from movies. David Mamet's Heist. One of my favorite fucking movies. One of my favorite movies. You know why the chicken crossed the road? Because the road crossed the chicken. I just got chills. That's a fucking killer line. I met Del Delroy Lindo says that line in the movie. He punches Sam Rockwell in the stomach and goes, you know why the road crossed the chicken, motherfucker? No, sorry. Sam Rockwell uh, insults Delroy Lindo by going, you're just the help. Delroy Lindo punches Sam Rockwell in the stomach and goes, oh, I'm the help, motherfucker. You know why the road crossed the... You know why the chicken crossed the road? Because the road crossed the chicken. When I met Delroy Lindo randomly in the street in New York and he did not look like he wanted to meet me back, uh, he was walking away from me and I said, Heist is one of my favorite movies. And he said, thanks. And I yelled, do you know why the chicken crossed the road? Because the road crossed the chicken. I yelled that at him. And he turned around and started smiling and laughing to me. And I was like, that's, that's a fucking amazing moment. I j with fandom, I just showed that guy that I'm the real article. And it got through his, I don't feel like really talking to you thing right now. I don't blame him for not wanting to talk to me. <laughs> I had nothing to offer him. It's all one-sided. I just wanted to take, you know? I just want to soak in his cool energy. So he didn't want to talk to me. But I got him with that. That was fucking awesome. Met another guy from the same movie. I don't know his name. He's an actor. 
He's in the movie for like three minutes. And uh, he offers Gene Hackman to buy his boat. And uh, Gene Hackman doesn't want to sell his boat. And he's trying to convince him. And as he gets into his car, he says to Gene Hackman, call me, we'll do something. I love, it's just such a great line. Call me, we'll do something. It's so vague, but you know exactly what he means. Stop fucking around. Let's set the goddamn boat sail up. Let's do this. I met that guy after a play. Same fucking thing. Walked up to him. I go, you were in Heist. He goes, yeah. And I go, it's one of my favorite movies. And he goes, yeah, thanks, man. Like, and he was walking away, and I go, call me. Let's do something. <laughs> Laughed. Laughed again. Met Danny Aiello. Met Danny Aiello, who was one of the most gracious people I've ever met in my life. The fucking man. The fucking man. Met him at Gotham Comedy Club in New York. Steve Mazzilli, dear friend of mine, one of the guys running the joint. Uh, he brought me in to meet Danny Aiello because Danny Aiello was doing a show before the show I was on. And I went in and he said, hey, man, how you doing? We're talking. And I said, I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. And I could tell he was ready for the, he was ready for I love, do the right thing. Jacob's Ladder. He's waiting for one of the hits. I went fucking deep cut on him, and I meant it. I wasn't doing it to be cool. I, I, I meant it. I go, I go, I'm a huge fan of Tales from the Dark Side. You star in what might be my favorite episode of the series. And he goes, wow. I think he called me an aficionado. He called me something like, you're a fucking, like, he said something like, you're a real, you're the real deal. And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, sit down, man. I sat out. I sat down with Danny Aiello, and he goes, he goes, I love that character so much. And he started talking to me about the character. And I go, he plays this. It's an episode called The Odds. It's fucking tremendous. He plays a bookie, and he's great in it. And uh, and there's there's so many great lines in it that you can just take and say when you're gam in any gambling situation. So I go, me and my friend always quote it, man, like if we're in a casino or if we're playing cards or whatever. And he goes, he goes, uh, he said a line from the show. I can't remember the line. That's why I'm stalling right now. I'm trying to remember. He threw one of the lines at me from the show, which was awesome that he remembered it. Because I, cause it's, you meet guys like that sometimes and they're like, yeah, I did the thing. I don't know. It was fucking 40 years ago, whatever it was. Who cares, you know? But he like, it's from like 1983. He fucking remembered the line from the show and he threw it at me. And then I go, I go, no, that's not the one we say. And he goes, no, what do you say? And I go, you know, I never refused a bet. He says that like four times in the episode. You know, I never refused a bet. And he started fucking laughing really hard. And that was it. I was just like, dude, it was great to meet you. And I left. Like, I didn't want to over, over. I was like as perfect as it could have been. Jerry Lewis, here's how I met Jerry Lewis. He was in a parked car. He was, he was, you know, there was a driver. He was in like one of those black like town cars in New York. He was in the back seat. And uh, uh, Greg Gutfeld, who hosts Fox, Fox News' Red Eye, he was my downstairs neighbor for a while when I lived in New York. And he, I was standing in front of the building, and he came walking up to the building, and he goes, hey, dude, Jerry Lewis is up there, parked at a red light. And I go, shut the fuck up. And he goes, yeah, dude. He goes, go quick, dude. He's there. And I ran 
to the corner. But I gained enough momentum as I was running and approaching the car that I was like, if I stop now, I'm going to scare the shit out of this guy. I'm going to charge up. I, I can't stop. I just got to run around the car. And as I was passing, his window was down. I could see him. And I just go, Jerry. And uh, he goes, hi, kid, in the fucking Jerry Lewis voice, like puts on that fucking nutty professor voice and yells, hi, kid, out the window. It's like, that's all I needed. I don't need to meet the guy now. That's the perfect exchange. Met Martin Short in the street in Times Square. I go, Mr. Short, I don't want to bother you, but I'm a comedian. I live in New York. And Jiminy Glick is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he goes, thank you very much. And does the fucking voice back to me. And I was just like, that's it. I'm like, thank you, man. You get it. You get what this is about. You get that I'm a fucking psycho who's obsessed with something you did way too much. Something you probably made up in your bathroom, you know? And, and then got it on TV. And now, like, people like me come up to you and tell you that it redefined some part of their life. and you, But you get it. You get it. And then you give me a little taste of it without tap dancing. I love it. You love it. You feel good. Ego stroked. My ego got stroked back, and I walk away, and we had a great fucking time. That's all you got to do. That's all those exchanges need to be, man, between fans and, and the... That's why I overstepped with Pee Wee the guitar player from Shock G's band, because I kept going on. I said a nice thing, and he was like, thank you, and he was into it, and then I just kept talking, and he was like, all right, buddy. I have other things to do, like sit by myself. You just keep it short, man. Give them a little love, they give you a little love back, hopefully. If they don't, that sucks, man. It sucks when you meet somebody that's like just a fucking... I don't, I don't think I've ever met an asshole. Like I even said, like the damn we giant, might be giants thing. They weren't assholes. They just had a shit night. I don't think I've ever met a guy where I was like, "Holy shit, that guy's a fucking asshole, man." I must have, I must have, and I can't remember. I wish I could right now. That'd be fun. Who am I, Kathy Griffin? No, I don't. I don't want to remember that. Sit here and fucking out some celebrity for being an asshole to me. Ugh, I'm a fan, man. I cry at the movies for. You know, not because, again, I'm sad because of the excitement and this nostalgia. When these new Star Wars movies come out, I am going to lose my fucking mind. I can't wait. I can't wait. Keith Robinson always used to say, I, when the Avengers was coming out, like we were like a year out from the Avengers, and Keith Robinson would go, Ah, oh, God damn it, I just got to live to see the Avengers. After that, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I just got to see the sweet Avengers movie. He would always say that. And I always thought it was funny, but didn't quite get it. And I swear to God, when I read online new Star Wars trilogy starting 2015, my immediate thought was, I have to live till 2015. I got like anxiety. What if I die before this happens? I have, and if I think about it right now, I'll get anxiety from that. I am so fucking excited. I love George Lucas so much. And I love that he gave this company to Disney. I think they're going to do an amazing job with it. I love that he is 
still a consultant on the films. I love that he wrote the storylines. I love that he is letting this go on because he wasn't going to do any more. He, he had already publicly said he was done. I love that this guy didn't go into a fucking wormhole. Or that's the wrong term, but you know what I mean? Like some sort of some sort of vacuum after all the shit you miserable fucking cunts threw at him, you know, that he wasn't like, fuck all of you. I'll kill it forever. That's what he could have done. Could have been like, okay, guys, I'm an idiot. I suck. Fuck you. I'm done forever. See ya. Out. No more Star Wars, guys. You got your fucking wish. And in 10 years, everybody would have been fucking whining about it. Well, he's a dick. He won't do any more Star Wars movie. And he was just like, guys, forget it. You're not feeling me. I'm going to give it to Disney. They're going to do a bang-up job. I'll be a consultant. It'll still have that Lucas touch. And, uh, and that's it, man. That's a big guy, man. I defend that guy to the fucking dying end, man. I hate people that shit on him. I hate. I do a bit about it in my act. that I was going to burn on here today. I don't want to burn it anymore. But let's just say in my act, I defend him quite a bit. Because he's the fucking man. He's the fucking man. I don't like when... Here's the line I draw with fandom, and I think people cross it with, with him particularly way too much. I don't take ownership in the thing. You know what I mean? I don't take... Uh, I don't take ownership. I don't, I don't act like, oh, because you created this thing that I love... It's now some sort of public property that I have that I own shares in and and you're not allowed to touch it or fuck I don't fucking buy that at all. It's like you know, everybody that bitched about like, you know, uh uh they won't, you know, like when when would he release the original films on DVD? When would he do it? When would he do it? It's like I had the original films. I had them on VHS tape. Because I'm a fucking fan. I bought them on VHS tape. And then I bought the special editions. And then I bought the DVDs. And then I bought the recuts of the DVDs that were the original versions or whatever it was. I'm a fan. I bought my shit. Stop fucking whining because you didn't. Or you're not getting the exact thing you want at this time. Like it's your fucking call. It's not your fucking call. It's not your call. I understand getting pissed off if somebody's estate is fucking with you. If you're like a fan of somebody and then they die and then like like some like, you know, like stepkid or, you know, ex-wife or whatever is running the show now and she's or he or whoever isn't handling it properly. That sucks. Get pissed at that. That sucks. But when it's the guy, when it's the actual artist, the actual creator, who the fuck are you? Well, do it the way he feels like doing it. Get upset about it even. Like, get, like, annoyed or, like, whatever. But don't act like you have the right. People actually would say shit like that about George Lee. Like, like, like he has ruined it, and we deserve this. And are you fucking insane? You're talking like it's, like, the right to, to, to like, a fair wage. It's not the truckers' union. It's a fucking Star Wars trilogy. You know, it makes me cry and I'm not acting like that. You know what I mean? Fucking crazy, man. I cry, I cry at concerts. Rush. Saw them recently. Spirit of Radio. Teared up like a fucking baby. 
just just overwhelmed with emotion of the excitement of hearing that song and just just I feel like I'm getting like lifted up by that song. Did you ever hear that song, Ernie? Yeah. You like Rush? They're amazing, man. They're amazing. And I stick with bands. Like Rush is a good example band. Guy, they're a good example band of what a real fan is versus what everybody else is. The real fans stuck with Rush through the dark times. <laughs> there was some synth-heavy dark times with Rush. And it's not bad stuff. It's just not what you w were expecting when a new Rush album was coming out. Bad Religion went through that, too. They had a couple. Greg Graffin calls them the dark ages of Bad Religion. you know. And again, not bad albums, just not what you were expecting Bad Religion to put out. It sound it was sonically different than what you were expecting, uh, and when you wait a couple of years and it comes out and you're disappointed, um, you know, it's 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 hard. You're disappointed. It's your favorite thing and and it's different and it doesn't sound the way you want it to. Um, but I stick in there, man. I stick in there. I I I find the songs I love on on the the less stellar albums. I listen to those fucking songs. <laughs> And I ride that out with the old shit till the next album comes. And I've gotten to experience the turnover with so many bands where they come back swinging. And you're like, I am so happy I'm the guy that got to say I never walked away. I never walked away. Bad Religion never walked away. No effects. Didn't walk away. Fucking stuck it out when they were putting out albums where every other song was about Bush and that was their prerogative. I just wasn't into it. I was like, I don't want to, I'm just not into this from no effects. It's not what I'm feeling. They came back fucking swinging, I felt like. with. And I'm look, I'm sure they disagree with what I'm saying right now. They probably really like those albums a lot. I wasn't into it, but I stuck it out. A lot of guys I know fucking bailed. Like little pussy bitches. They bailed. Yeah, I'm not into them. Any, they suck now. They don't suck now. They're just doing something you're not into. Fandom means never saying they suck now. It means having the understanding that they're going through a phase. And you go, okay, they're going through a phase. That's it. They'll be back. And they are. They're back. They always come back. Everybody comes back. Star Wars Episode 7, opening night. And yes, I will be there at midnight. I'm going to be one of the only motherfuckers in that theater that can go, I never went down, Ray. I never went down. What movie, Ernie? You don't know? Oh, I can't tell you then. Sorry. That's the penalty for not knowing. Are you a poser? <laughs> I just love that I'm talking to you and they hear nothing at home. Because you're so quiet. There's a grown man in the room with me, everybody. There's not, I'm not making up. People probably think like I'm making up a fake person just so it sounds like I'm talking to somebody. There's a grown man in this room with me. He's not on the podcast. He's the engineer. But Jesus, do you not, you really clam up when these mics go on. We've gone through this before. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. All right. So it's a it's a quality issue for you. Yeah? All right. All right. All right. 
You sounded mad for a second. All right, all right. There we go. There we go. We got something out of Ernie, folks. We finally heard something. You're like the dad that never talks in a in a Long Came Polly. Did you ever see that movie? He doesn't talk till the end. This should be the last podcast. We should release this one at the end. Ernie finally talked. Anyway, sorry, sipping a little coconut water. A little hungover from my drunken uh, geeking out and embarrassing myself last night. Um, yeah, man, I'll be the only motherfucker in that theater going, I, I was here the whole time, you motherfuckers. I was here the whole time. People all went and said the Clone Wars movie sucked. Clone Wars movie sucked. Was it great? No, it wasn't great. You know what was fucking awesome? The Clone Wars TV show. It was fucking awesome. New season uh, in a week comes to Netflix, final season. Uh, and for everybody that said the Clone Wars sucked, well, guess what happens in the new season? Uh, Liam fucking Neeson reprises his role as Qui-Gon Jinn as a Force ghost. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. They start talking about Protocol 66 where they're going to murder the Jedi. That's pretty fucking cool. They start dealing with defective clones that don't want to turn uh, and, and are starting to think too independently and exterminating them. That's pretty fucking cool. I stuck in there. I get to enjoy it more than you did, you little fucking rats. You rats that all ran away when you didn't like the taste of the cheese. Does that analogy make sense? I thought it did. I don't care. I like calling people rats and pigs. Anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. Here's the point. I'm an undying fan. I'm an undying fan. It's a beautiful thing. It gives you excitement, man. It keeps you young, at least in your heart. Makes it fun, you know? I don't want to be one of the people going, new Terminator movie's going to suck. I want to be the guy that's excited to see the new Terminator movie. That's who I am right now. And it's real. I'm not forcing myself to feel that way. I'm excited that a guy that was the Terminator became a governor and now is going to be in a Terminator movie again. I'm excited about that. If you don't know about it, it's called Terminator Genesis. Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it. He might not be playing the Terminator. He might be playing the guy that, uh, that they base the Terminators on because he does such a good job of protecting baby Sarah Connor. Those are the rumors. Yeah, I'm fucking in. I'm there. Why would I not be excited to see that? Why? There's no part of me that wouldn't. But so many people aren't. I don't get it. Choose fandom. Every time it's more fucking... Well, you can't choose it. This is the problem. Some people just don't have this in them. I have it in me. Some people don't have it in them. And some people are just miserable nerds, though, man. You know? I don't, I don't get that. I don't get the... That's almost like being a fair-weather friend to me. You know? Or like, or like a front-runner with a sports team is a better analogy. You know? Somebody that only likes the team when they win. In, in the sports world, you're, you're a fucking fraud if that's what you do. That's not a real fan. A real fan sticks with the team and might get upset with the team, but never turns his back on the team. So many fans of so many artists turn their back on the artist and go, no, I'm not down with this guy anymore. You never turn your back on that team. That guy gave you so much joy. That lady gave you so much joy. 
Never turn your back on that. Stick with them through the tough times because they're going to come back and give you something that makes you happy again. Or maybe you'll change and start to like the other thing they're doing that you don't like right now. That's possible. It's also dismissive now because everything's digital and instant and download and quick and fast and free and cheap and whatever. Everything goes out the window so quickly. People don't let things marinate, particularly these days, the way they should. There's nothing better than letting something marinate and then realize that you love it. Buying an album and saying, my God, I hate this. My ears are going to throw up right now. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. And then two months later going, I can't live without this. It's the best thing I've ever heard. It's my favorite thing I've ever heard. Thank God I took the time to let this grow on me. That's what it's about. So maybe more people would be fans if they did those things. You know, I don't know. Possibly. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's all it takes. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a personality type. I don't know. I just know that I am one. And I love being one. It'll never change. My tattoos are proof of that. I did get the Carlin one covered up, but it was only because I didn't like the font. That's all it was. I'm just going to get it redone somewhere else. But on my other arm, I've got a Frank Zappa tattoo and a Bad Religion tattoo. So I'm in it for the long haul, boys. And I hope if you're a fan of this show, you're in it for the long haul with me too. Thank you for listening. This has been a lot of fun. This was a lighter one today. I thought this was nice. Uh, keep, uh, keep listening. Keep subscribing. Uh, and you can follow me at Joe DeRosa Comedy on Twitter. JoeDeRosaComedy.com is the website. Check uh, the Twitter feed and the website for upcoming tour dates and stuff. I'll be back out on the road again, I think, uh, in the spring and the summer. So come see me. Come say hi. And take care, you fan fuck. <laughs> <laughs>